Waiting. I have a hard time waiting. How about you? Yeah. Waiting is hard. It's hard work waiting. I've realized that going to the doctor involves a lot of waiting, especially if you have to go see a specialist. Because you first have to wait to be referred by your primary care physician. And then sometimes you have to wait for your insurance to make sure that they'll cover that specialist. And then you finally have to wait for them to call you. Because you can't just call up the specialist. They have to call you. Then when you get a call from them, they look at their calendar and they're booked for the next three months. So you have to wait to get in to get that appointment, and finally when that day arrives, if you still have the problem after waiting that long, <laughs> you finally get to see them, and you go to the waiting room. You sit there, and you wait. And finally, they call your name, and they take your blood pressure, and they weigh you, and whatever, and then you wait in the little room. And there's a sign on the wall that says, no cell phones, and you wonder how important is that or not? And you're not interested in the magazines that they have for you. So you're just waiting. And you can hear the sound of the doctor in the next room, but you can't quite make out what they're saying, which is good for privacy reasons. And then you wonder, am I the next room? Or are they going somewhere else first? And finally, they talk to you. And oftentimes, they, they talk with you shorter than you want to talk with them, because you have all these questions, right? But they say, you know what, we need to run some tests. But we can do some of them today, but we're going to have to schedule you for the rest. And so then you wait for the, the nurse to come back in to schedule you. And then they say, well, it looks like it's going to be another month till we can have that test. And you know what I'm saying? Have you been through that before? Waiting. It's hard work. Often... When we pray for things, we find ourselves waiting. Waiting for what we hope will be a yes answer to our prayers. And I'm reminded of the words from Revelation 6, verse 10. The, the souls under the altar, it's a symbolic glance at people who've died throughout the history for God. And symbolically, their lives cry out in that verse, how long, O oh Lord, how long until you'll judge us? Or, or rather, judge those who have done these things to us. How long until you get it right? Until you make things just? And they're waiting, and they're told, rest a, a little while longer. Have you ever waited for something in prayer? You ever prayed a prayer hoping for that yes answer and not received, or at least certainly not received it in the time that you want. We prayed for my dad to be healed. Heal him, Lord. And we believe that he will be. Uh, unfortunately, we just have to wait now for the resurrection. Uh, but we're waiting for that fulfillment. So I thought today we would take a look at some of the reasons why we have to wait in prayer. And certainly this will not be an ex exhaustive list. We're not going to cover all of the answers. But I think we'll find so that there are some very good reasons for why we have to wait sometimes. 
But I want to caution you just by saying that sometimes the best answer when somebody is waiting in prayer or when they don't get what they want in prayer, the best answer is often not an answer at all, but just to be there with them. <laughs> so, so you can take notes today, but, but maybe don't go armed to your friend who's struggling and grieving right now and say, I got the solution for you. I know why you're going through what you're going through. Usually that's not what they need in that moment. Usually what they need is somebody to be there to be God's physical love in their lives at that time. Does that make sense? You know, we say everything happens for a reason. I mean, I guess there's a reason for everything. Uh, but that's usually not what people need to hear. Their two-year-old died of leukemia. Well, you know, everything happens for a reason, so... No, that's not what they need. They need love. They need somebody by their side. But nevertheless, there are some reasons that Scripture gives us and reason can give for why we don't get what we pray for and the timing that we pray for. Reason number one, you're praying for the wrong thing. Okay. Have you ever later realized you were praying for the wrong thing? I remember praying prayers, Lord, uh, there's this person, years before I met Sarah, <laughs> Lord, there's this person. She's beautiful. Lord, if you could just get her for me. And then later, you're like, whew, thank you, Lord, for not answering that prayer. Right? Sometimes we're just praying for the wrong thing. Some young person came to me one day, and this was not here. You don't know this person. But they said, is it a red flag if this boy just wants to date me, but only for the summertime? <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yes, that's a red flag. <laughs> sometimes we don't know what's best for us. And God asks us to ask him for things, but sometimes we don't get what we're asking for or in the timing because we don't know what we're talking about. Right? We don't know what we're asking for. You know, Jesus even said to the mother of, of two of his disciples, you don't know what you're asking for. You're asking for something, but you don't know what you're asking for. So reason number one, sometimes we're just asking for the wrong thing. But by the way, there are some interesting logistics to prayer that maybe you've never considered. If there are 20 Christians praying to get the same job, how many people are going to be disappointed? At least 19, if, assuming one of them gets it. So there are 19 people who had prayed, God, please help me to have this job. But it's just impossible for all 20 of them to have that same job. So can you see how God has a, an interesting position that he's in? But what if it's something more serious? What if you need an organ transplant and you're praying to have an organ transplant. There are other people needing one too. Other people perhaps praying for the same transplant. But transplants come when tragedy strikes. And so God is in an interesting position here. His children are asking for something that they need to stay alive. And his other children are, are asking for protection 
and for safety and for health in their lives so that tragedy won't strike. Prayer is not as black and white and as simple as we sometimes think it to be. There are some interesting logistical challenges to prayer. And of course, there's the classic example of the football players praying before the game. Nothing wrong with praying, but not every team can win. Not every team can win. You know, if it was just a matter of the, the quantity of people praying, sometimes we think, well, if one prayer has power, if we get 10,000 people praying the same prayer, then maybe we can really get this to happen. And maybe there's something to that. But on the other hand, what if all those people are praying for the wrong thing? You know, you think back to the Civil War. Robert E. Lee was a very... Um, devout man in his faith, fighting for what we would say the wrong side. In fact, Jefferson Davis, the president of the South, encouraged the people in the South to have a day of prayer, to pray for their troops, to pray for their success and their safety. So if God was just going by the number of people praying, he should have had the South win and we'd still have slavery today. But that wouldn't be a good thing, right? So, so there are some interesting logistical scenarios. Or what if God said yes to every prayer? Well, first of all, there would be contradicting, contradictory prayers, and so you know, they would kind of cancel each other out. But if he said yes to every prayer, all of a sudden, we would be in control of everything. And we've seen throughout history that when people get ultimate control, when they have ultimate power, unlimited power, they tend to go bad. They tend to cor be corrupted. Or if, or if only the Christians got their, their prayers answered, but they got all their prayers answered, there would be no sick Christians, no poor Christians, no Christians with problems. And people would say, well, I just want that. I don't care what it means, but I'm just going to follow that because you get what you want. So from the very outset, number one, we realize we have to wait in prayer. We don't get what we want in prayer, sometimes because we're asking for the wrong thing. And other times, we just need to realize prayer is complicated. Prayer and requests are complicated. Another reason, we can pray with the wrong attitude. We can pray with the wrong attitude. Open up to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. James 1, verse 6 and 7. It's towards the end of the Bible. Not all the way to Revelation, but pretty close. James 1, 6 and 7. It says there, but let him who asks in faith, but let him ask in faith, rather, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded, unstable in all his ways. 
We're invited to ask God for things, but we're invited to ask with faith. And as we saw the other week, we can come to God and say, I believe, help my unbelief. We don't have to come with, with all of this superpower faith. We can come with our little faith. But God says, when you come to me, believe that it's possible for me to do it. Have the right mindset. In fact, David, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 66, 18, he said, if I had cherished sin in my heart, God would not have heard me. If you were an unrepentant sinner that had no desire of, of changing anything in your life, and you're saying, God, do these things for me, God's not very inclined to move because you're not safe to bless in those scenarios. And while certainly we don't have to be perfect to pray, we need to have a heart that's open to God working. A heart, even just at its bare minimum, that says, I'm, I'm not willing, but I'm willing to be made willing, God. God will take us wherever we are at. So reason number one, we may be praying the wrong prayer or misunderstanding the logistics of how prayer works. Or two, we might be praying with the wrong attitude. Or perhaps, number three, we're praying a prayer that's already been answered and we don't realize it. And we mentioned this a while ago that people praying for the Messiah in Christ's day, many of them didn't realize he had already arrived. He'd already provided the best answer to prayer ever in the person of Jesus. And they missed it. They didn't realize it. Is it possible that God has already answered some of your prayers, but not in the way you're thinking? And what we need is for our eyes to be opened to see how he has answered. Fourth reason that I've identified for waiting in prayer or unanswered prayer is the fact of human free will. A lot of my requests to God center around saving my family and friends, people that are important to me in my life. But they get a choice in the matter too, don't they? God will not force them to be hostages in heaven. He invites them. And so when we pray, it's making a difference in their lives. God is doing something. The Holy Spirit is speaking to them. Be sure of that. Those prayers are not going unanswered. They're being answered. God's doing something. But ultimately, that person has to choose whether they're going to respond to it. But I've been in church where a lady will say, I've been praying for this family member for 40 years, and they finally have given their heart to God. Just because you have to pray a long time doesn't mean it's not worth it. That lady, if you ask her, was it worth it? She would say, absolutely, 100%. Jesus invited us to be persistent in our prayers. Elijah, very first sermon in this series, was persistent in his prayers. That cloud, that rain cloud didn't come after the first prayer. It took seven prayers, and then God answered the way he had asked. Reason number five, might not be the right time. Might not be the right time for that prayer to be answered. Galatians 4.4, 4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son. He had to wait until it was the right moment in Earth's history for the Messiah to be delivered. 
to deliver us. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Another powerful verse. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter is towards the end of your Bible. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. Peter addresses skeptics who say that God is slow, God is delaying his coming. But look at what he says in verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, or he's not delaying it unnecessarily, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, if God's delaying his coming, it's because he's trying to save more people. That's the reason. And maybe your prayer has been delayed because God sees that the timing is going to be better later. Hezekiah was given 15 more years of life. He was dying. He asked God, and God gave in to his request. But it wasn't necessarily the biggest blessing because Hezekiah went on to make some foolish mistakes in those 15 years that he had bonus added to him. Sometimes we can't see it in the moment, but God sees the big picture. Nevertheless, he decided to grant that request at the time. I remember one time I was praying for a summer job. I said, God, what do you want me to do with my summer? I'm ready, I'm open. And I had gone down to Dominican Republic with one of the youth leaders in my conference. I'd preached the series. I was 17 years old. People were baptized. It was really cool. And so I thought I just had a natural path into summer camp ministry because this guy that took me down there asked me to go with him. He was the one who was in charge of hiring for the summer camp. And I was like, I'm going to get a job at summer camp. I applied, and I didn't get it. I was stunned. He... He pulls me out of school to go down to a foreign country and preach and then decides not to hire me even after the trip went really well and was a blessing. He hired me the next summer. I talked to him and he said, yeah, I just felt like it wasn't the right time. But what was cool was while I'm waiting, praying, God, show me what to do, I was getting nothing. But eventually at the right time, the opportunity was made available And what I ended up doing uh, actually kind of helped me end up here in California, ultimately. But that that opportunity wasn't even a possibility. It hadn't been created yet. So God couldn't answer that prayer because there was nothing for, for me to know about because it hadn't been created yet. Sometimes we wait in prayer because it's just not the right time yet. Next reason, I think we're at number six. Wrestling in prayer can help us to grow. If you want muscles, you don't get them by watching people work out. You get them by working out. The struggle of lifting those weights helps you to get stronger. Or in our case, the pickle jar helps you develop better grip strength next time. I've been told that 
if you help a struggling butterfly out of its cocoon, you might actually do more harm because there's something about that struggle that's good for it, I've been told. And you can, you can damage it. So we want to get out of struggles. We want to get out of this waiting period in our prayer life. But maybe that's what God sees is exactly what you need to grow. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, listen to it. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or patience. And the steadfastness, let it have its full effect that you may be complete and perfect, lacking nothing. Through the struggle, we grow. If you're waiting for something, maybe it's an opportunity for you to grow in this moment. Another component to unanswered prayer or prayer that we're waiting for is the spiritual warfare. In Daniel chapter 10, and, and we won't go there, but you can read it yourself, <clears throat> Daniel was close with the Lord, and he prayed a prayer. But for three weeks, it was unanswered, apparently. But God, from the very moment, had sent an angel. Sent an angel from heaven. But there was spiritual conflict in the demonic world, in the unseen spiritual angelic world, that was holding up this messenger angel. And so finally, Michael, another name for Christ, steps in and overpowers the oppressive forces. And the angel gets through. We don't know the rules of engagement in this spiritual battle and, and all the dynamics that, that, that are going on, but there is a battle going on. And sometimes our prayers, we have to take that into consideration that there are spiritual battles going on. I remember there was uh, somebody riding on a subway or a public transit a train in Australia. I think it was in Sydney. And they saw the person across from them with their head bowed in prayer. And when they finished praying, they said, I, I saw you praying. You must be a Christian. The person said, no, I'm a Satan worshiper. But, but we pray every day that Satan will have control over this city. Uh, the same thing happened in another city in America where there was a pastor's convention. And they were praying for pastors to... to uh, get divorced from their spouses, for uh, all sorts of horrible things from our perspective. People are praying opposite. They're praying for the forces of darkness to rule in cities and areas. There are battles going on. To me, that just is a call for us to be in prayer more. Asking God directly to intervene. We want him to do things. So why are our prayers delayed? Why do we have to wait? Well, it's complicated, as you can see. Uh, it's complicated, but God is listening and he's hearing every prayer. And he's waiting for the right moment or he's waiting for a better thing to give us. I remember years ago when I was first learning guitar, I went to the li Walla Walla Public Library <clears throat> Found a VHS. Kids, do you know what that is? <laughs> Rohan? 
Roman? Do you know what a VHS thing is? No. Do you know what a cassette tape is? Yes. VHS was like a, a big cassette. This was before CDs, which, do you guys know what CDs are? Yeah, okay, good. They're like those round, shiny things, right? Yeah. So I popped it in the VCR, and, uh, and I watched it. It was How to Play Guitar. But one of the songs that, that I learned a little bit of was called the How Long Blues. <laughs> Blues style on the guitar, and the words are basically some guy who's sad because his, his girl has gone. She's taking the train, and she's gone. And he's wondering, how long? How long? And, and we, we sing these things in our culture, and we say these things in our spiritual lives. Because even though we know all the things that I just shared, we still wonder, how long, God? How long? And I want you to know that we're in good company if we wonder how long we have to wait. Because the authors of the Bible, they too wanted to know how long. Look at this, Psalm 13, 1 through 2, for the director of music, a song of, of David. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and, and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? David struggled. He wondered, why aren't you answering my prayer right away? How long? Now David, if I recall correctly, wasn't he the one that killed the giant with just a little sling and a stone? Didn't, didn't he have great military success that God had helped him with? He, who had seen these miracles, he said, how long? How long? What about Psalm 82? How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Sometimes the, the biblical writers, they said, God, you're not punishing the wicked like you should be. Why aren't you doing that? How long? What's interesting is a lot of people in our culture today say, God, why did you punish the people like that? That seems so severe. So poor God. You know, people today criticize him for, for acting and bringing justice. People in the Old Testament who were living it, they're like, God, why aren't you doing more? You should be punishing them more, God. Right? But they wondered, how long? Psalm 89, 46, how long, Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? How long do we have to experience these things? 119, 84, how long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? God, I'm ready. Just do something. Take them out, Lord. Habakkuk 1-2. How long, Lord, must I call out for help, but you do not listen or cry out to you? Violence, but you do not save. The writers of the Bible, they knew what it was like to wrestle and struggle with waiting in prayer. John 10-24. The Jews who were gathered around Jesus saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus, how long? We want to know. Just, just let us know. So we can take comfort in the fact that people also wanted to know how long. But what's really interesting, as you study this phrase, how long, and here's the verse from, from Revelation, 
that I mentioned earlier. It's not just the people asking God how long. We as, as humans are waiting for God. But did you know that God is waiting for us? Look at this. Here's another set of verses. And the Lord, God, he said to Moses, what? How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Uh, Numbers 14, 11, the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? We feel like we're the only ones waiting. God's waiting for us. I've showed them what I want them to do. How long do I have to wait? How long do I have to wait so that I can answer the prayers that they're praying? How long, God says, Numbers 14, 27, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. 1 Samuel 16, 1, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? I'm ready to move on, God says. I got somebody else. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. You're going to anoint his son, David. Jeremiah 4.14, Jerusalem, wash the evil from your heart and be saved. How long will you harbor wicked thoughts? God appealing to the people again. Wake up. How long are you going to do these things? Later on in chapter 31, how long will you wander, unfaithful daughter Israel? How long will you wander? Hosea 8.5, Samaria, throw out your calf idol. My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of purity? God, who is a very patient God, he also is waiting. He also is calling out. Jesus said, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Just as much, if not more times, in the Bible, God is the one asking the question, how long? Does God answer prayers? Absolutely. Sometimes he does it quickly. Sometimes he does it in a way we're not expecting. And other times, we wait. And it's all right to ask, how long? But we also should ask ourselves, is God waiting for me in this moment to do anything? Am I part of the answer to prayer that I'm asking for? Is there something God is calling me to do? My friend one time was going to pick up my other friend, San Jose Airport, and uh, he's waiting, 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 doesn't see him, and so he calls him, says, hey, bro, where are you at? I'm right here. Can't you see me? No. I'm by, I'm by, I'm by the, the pole, my number four, outside, baggage claim. <laughs> In the car. Yeah, I know, I'm right there. You're not there. <laughs> yes, I am. Back and forth, and they realized my friend had gone to the wrong airport. <laughs> he was waiting, but he was waiting in the wrong spot. Maybe God is wanting to show up in your life this week. But make sure your heart is right with him so that you're not going to be waiting in the wrong spot. 
How long? Not long. I don't believe it's going to be much longer for this world's history. But even if it is, we're going to make it day by day, trusting, praying, seeking, uh, and telling others about our good God that answers prayer and gives us what's best for us, even if it's not what we ask for the first time. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that sometimes you say no to us because later we realize, well, that was a really good thing that you said no. Thank you that you wait for the right time. Uh, Lord, there are more complicated scenarios, sometimes where we go through grief and loss and we don't understand. But Lord, based on your track record, we believe and know that you are capable of answering our prayers better than we could have asked. And someday, uh, when you come back, you're going to explain it all to us. And we'll see that your ways are truly the best ways. And we'll say, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is our prayer. Let everybody say, amen. We will see you next week, not here, at Central Valley Christian Academy in the gymnasium, Friday night and Saturday night, or Sabbath for services. We'll see you then. God bless.